Yes, you have my word on that. Liturgical dance will happen next year. <clears throat> That's what I did when Izzy said dance. That, didn't you see what I was doing? Well, you were all dancing. It's liturgical. Very amazing it was. All right. Good morning. My name is Randy. I am so glad you're here this morning. I'm glad that you've chosen to come and be in God's presence. I hope you'll be blessed by uh, what I say too, but I'm specifically excited that you chose to come here and place yourself in the presence of God. The promise of Jesus was this, where two or three people gather in his name, he's there. So he's here. He's present among us. It's it's an amazing reality. Um, We've been talking these last couple of weeks about generosity. Uh, Week one, we talked from Acts 22.35, Jesus saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I I made this point that um, the key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. And uh, last week, we talked about giving to God the first and the best. We talked about the tithe, giving to God the first and the best and trusting him to bless the rest that's left over. This morning, I want to talk about different types of givers. And here's my promise to you. This is the good thing. None of them are bad. Right? I got three points. They're all good. Three types of givers we'll talk about this morning, and they're all good. But I want to share with you some of the the secrets of living in the blessing of God and tell a few stories along the way. So let's pray, ask God to bless this time. God, I am so thankful that you're here present. I, I know we can't always feel that reality, but thank you for faith that allows us to walk in the truth of your presence. You're here, God, and we invite you to do whatever you want. This is your time. This is your space. These, Lord, are your bodies. These are your minds and hearts. You've given them to us. We give them back to you. Holy Spirit, just as you inspired the scriptures through the apostles and the prophets thousands of years ago, I ask that you'd illuminate these scriptures, that you would help us to see the truth in them. And God, do what only you can do. Plant them deep in our hearts so that we'd walk out of this place, not, not just with more knowledge, but actually looking and thinking and acting and living more like Jesus. Jesus, the world needs to see you. And we just long that they'll see you in us. Amen. Okay, um, we're going low-tech. Our computer went kaput. That's a technical term, kaput. Early this morning, they clicked the button. Uh, It said no. I prayed an incredible prayer of healing over the technology. And we live in the now and the not yet, you know. So we're waiting for the miracle, but it hasn't come yet. We determined as a team that if the first 2,000 years of the church could function without technology, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, maybe we could too. So uh, you got no distractions right here. All right. Pick out your Bible if you have a Bible or a device with it, because I'm going to mention lots of scriptures and they, I won't be able to pop them up on the screen. I want to talk, uh, start with this one, Proverbs 22.9. Now, confession, all right? This comes from a version of the Bible that you might, I, might not often read. This from, comes from the New King James Version, all right? Uh, I chose that one because I like the way it's translated. It fits. I'm just letting you know this is very purposeful took this verse in that version because it works. Proverbs 22.9 says this, He who has a generous eye 
will be blessed, for he gives of his food to the poor. Proverbs 22.9. He who has a generous eye, the picture, you know, in the Hebrew, the language word, the picture is someone who is looking for an opportunity to do something grand, to do something awesome, to be involved in the generosity of God. He who has a generous eye, the person who's looking for a way to bless others. Where do I give? How do I give? The scripture says that person will be blessed because they give of their own food, of their own stuff to those in need. You, I mean, sometimes we talk about somebody who has an eye for talent, you know, or maybe an eye for architecture or an eye for fashion. Clearly not me, but some people have that, right? What if we were to develop an eye for generosity? Like what if God were to plant that in us and we would realize, okay, I want to cultivate a generous eye. Like, what would our church look like? What would the people around our church look like? What would our neighborhoods and schools and workplaces look like if we cultivated a generous eye? It's part of the prayer that I'm going to pray for us today is that God would grant us a generous eye. Not a, not a compulsively giving eye, not guilt and shame, not pride but a generous eye, an eye that just looks, God, what can I do with what you've blessed me with? What, what, could, what could you lay my eyes upon, some place or some person where I could give? Um, <clears throat> a, a generous eye. We know that the enemy is unable to stop the blessing of God, right? Satan does not have the power to stop God's blessing in your life. When God blesses, he blesses. And the enemy can't take that away. He doesn't have that authority. So what the enemy sometimes does with blessing is he distorts it. Sometimes Satan, real enemy, distorts the blessing of God. And, and I see it in a couple of ways. Two I'll talk about. One, sometimes the enemy distorts the blessing of God with pride, right? You, you realize God has blessed you and let's just, we've all done it at some point. You begin to take ownership of the blessing. And you start to just recount the ways that you worked really hard for the blessing. And someone says, you know, nice house. And you say, well, I worked really hard. That's granite. That's Italian. That's, that comes all the way from Noblesville there, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Noblesville. It's not a slam. You know, sometimes the enemy will distort the blessing of God with pride. God gives to us. Yes, he uses our work. He blesses us with all that. But... Everything we have, in some way, it comes from him. And, and the enemy will sometimes uh, distort that blessing by us walking around thinking, I got it all. I did it all. And somehow forgetting that it's his and saying, now it's mine because I worked so hard with it. I worked so hard for it. It's a distortion of the blessing. The funny thing is, it's the very opposite. Some of us will get the very opposite. The enemy will distort the blessing of God in us through shame, right? And I'll tell you, I just... To be honest, I will fall prey to this one more often, you know. Hey, Randy, nice car. Oh, I didn't pay for it, right? Like, oh, that's a nice shirt. I got a discount. It fell off a missionary truck. I promise. You know, we get that. It's almost like we're ashamed that God has blessed us. And we think maybe we're being the holy one when, in fact, we're being the proud one. You know, well, I don't need anything special. I'll put it down. And, and we sort of 
bring down the blessing of God. It's interesting. We don't do that with other things in our lives. We don't do that with people or relationships, like our physical characteristics. If someone says, well, you look nice today or, you know, you have a beautiful nose or something. You don't say, oh, it's nothing, you know. Thanks, you know, God gave it to me, right? If someone says to me, oh, your wife Jane is so wonderful, I don't say, well, I got her cheap, you know, discounted, <laughs> right? No, what do I say? I say, I, I, I say, that's called grace, getting what I don't deserve, right? And yet sometimes the enemy will distort the blessing of God through pride or through shame. And um, the Lord just doesn't want to see that happen. What if we could move to the place where with the blessing of God, when someone says, wow, that's a nice car, house, nose, wife, whatever, right? We just say, thank you. It is, isn't it? God, God blessed me. God just gave it to us. I mean, it's awesome. And all of a sudden, that blessing that's in your life is not all about your life. It's about the life of God that's overflowed in you. We are blessed with a purpose. For a purpose, Second Corinthians nine eleven. So if you have that, you can uh, go to Second Corinthians nine eleven. We've talked about this for a couple of weeks, so you may remember it. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, resulting in thanksgiving and praise to God. We've talked about that the last two weeks. God says, when we give, we will be enriched, made rich in every way, not just money, made rich in every way with a purpose so that you can be generous on all occasions. And the result of that, we said a couple of different times with a couple of different illustrations, is God gets praised and God gets glorified. That blessed to be a blessing is not a new deal. If you go all the way back to Genesis, God's very first covenant with Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 to 3, I won't read it all, but you might be familiar with that. Um, I'll read two of those verses. Someday I'm going to be blessed with a new Bible because I'm missing the first 10 chapters of Genesis. That's all right. I got this one. That's not a plea. All right. I can get my own Bible. Genesis 12. I'll read uh, verses 1 to 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. This is the promise. This is the covenant of God with Abraham. And all the descendants of Abraham, that's us, every one of us. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. It's the promise of God. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, here's the operative interaction of God's blessing through us, verse 3, And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this is God's plan. The blessed to be a blessing, it's not a a new, like, 2015 deal. This was the original in the creation. God said, I'm going to give you all this stuff. I'm going to bless you because it's my heart to bless my loved ones. Now, there's a purpose. Through you, all the families of the world will be blessed. So we are blessed. You can read Psalm 67. In your spare time, it's only five verses. It'll be fun. Psalm 67, same thing. We are blessed to be a blessing. Bottom line, that all the peoples on the earth will be blessed. We're blessed 
intentionally by God so that we can be a blessing to others. Does that make sense? It's a really cool system God set up and fun when we coordinate with it. So I want to take the next 10, 15 minutes and talk about three types of givers when it comes to owning and then releasing the blessing of God. This will come as a shock to you. They all start with the same letter. I don't know how that happens. It's like a miracle every week. So we're going to talk about spontaneous givers. We're going to talk about strategic givers. And we're going to talk about anybody? Guesses? Guesses? Sacramental? Super? Silly? Stingy? Sloppy? No. Sacrificial. Sacrificial givers. All right. So um, we're talking about being intentional with our giving. I think as a Western culture, we're pretty good about being intentional with our receiving, right? So when you get a raise or a bonus or some unexpected money comes in, it's easy to be pretty intentional about, I want the iPhone 6, right? I want whatever. I'm going to get the next game. I'm going to get the next whatever. But the challenge of Jesus is really to be intentional with our giving, strategic in our giving. So the first type of giver, I want to talk about a spontaneous giver. We saw the spontaneous giver, remember when we talked two weeks ago about the boy with the loaves and the fish? 5,000, 10,000, 12,000 people there. Jesus, you know, finishes a long sermon, says, hey boys, feed the people. They're like, rats, or something equivalent in Aramaic, right? (laughs) And the little boy comes up, spontaneous, with this picture of, well, I have this, and the Lord needs it, so you can have my loaves and fish. And then Jesus looks and he blesses the bread. That's what the scripture says. And he breaks it and he feeds thousands and thousands of people with heavenly food and their baskets left over. Twelve baskets left over. That's a spontaneous giver. The Good Samaritan. If you heard the story of the Good Samaritan, I won't read it. Read it in Luke 10 this week for fun. You know, the, the religious people walk by this guy on the road who's beat up. But the Samaritan, the half-breed, the sort of one that's outside of the religious culture comes and spontaneously the Lord touches his heart and he cares for this man. He binds him up. He pays for his hotel room and he takes care of him. It's a spontaneous giver. I saw it right here in this church this week. Uh, I won't be, I try not to be too specific. I meet with a number of groups, prayer groups during the week. And uh, prayer groups that have pastors from lots of different churches. And um, we were praying one time this week with a group of pastors. And someone in our time of prayer brought this up as a prayer request. They said, um, the wife of a dear seminary professor of mine is dying. Weeks to live in another state. Ten hours away by by driving. And this seminary professor and his wife took me in when I was a young seminarian. And he said, they blessed me so much. He died six years ago. Now she's dying. He said he was in tears praying about this. God, I just want to see her one more time. And I want want my kids to be able to see her. I want her to meet my wife and my children and see like the impact of their blessing on me. And so he just threw it out as a prayer request. We we prayed for it, you know, and, um, and we walked out the door. An hour later, I get a phone call. And it's from one of the other pastors. And the other pastor says, hey, I, I think I want to bless that guy. 
And I've already been looking it up, those exact dates he wants to fly to that city. I know how much it'll cost. I'd like to, I'd like to give $2,000 to send him, his wife, and his kids to see that woman before she dies. So here's the best part of being a pastor. And he says, but I want to be anonymous. Will you give that gift for me? <laughs> I love that, you know. I just, just put on my card, ambassador of hope, you know. So I get to call this pastor and say to him, here's the deal. Someone heard your prayer, and we want to bless you. It's not me, but I get to sort of give it out. And um, the guy was on the, on the other, he, he couldn't speak. He just kept saying, I'm astonished. I'm astonished. I'm astonished. He says, I'll, I'll have to talk to my wife. They have like 100 kids under the age of one, all right? <laughs> Imagine driving 10 hours with 100 kids under the age of one. It's a slight exaggeration, right? He calls me back um, yesterday morning and says, my wife's thrilled. We're so blessed. We'll do it. So in the next day, we, someone will give this church money. We will do the pass-through. No tax deduction for that, all right? We're not, sorry about that. We're not uh, money launderers. We will just do the pass-through and straight from heaven, from the heart of Jesus, this pastor will take his wife and his children to see this woman, bless her before she goes to heaven, and receive her blessing. I mean, that's spontaneous generosity, right? Nobody, like it wasn't written in the prayer program, now we will spontaneously give in incredible ways. I was touched by that, and I didn't receive it. Spontaneous givers. Many of you are like that, and I applaud it. Awesome, keep going. I just would say if we're only spontaneous givers, if we're only spontaneous givers, we won't have all the opportunities that God has for us to bless others in the kingdom. So by all means, spontaneity, give. Jesus said outright, give to anyone who asks of you. Deal with that one in Luke 6.36. Good? You got that. Okay. Spontaneous giver. Second is a strategic giver. Okay, so Isaiah 32.8 says this, but generous people plan to do what is generous. Isaiah 32.8. Generous people plan to do what is generous. This is a strategic giver. This is someone who has such a generous eye that it's not just where do I see an opportunity, but where can I find an opportunity, you know? These are this, all right, God's going to dole out blessing on us. What can we do with it? Where could we strategically give of what we've been given to bless other people? They plan. The Bible goes on to say, they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Um, this is a longer story. I'll try to keep it short. But it just, it just it came on me this morning, and I thought, it's too good. <laughs> Um, strategic giving. So probably six years ago now, um, we had a, a, a green Plymouth Voyager van, all right? I mean, we're talking top of the line, 1997 Plymouth Voyager, all right? It was a joke. It was the bottom of the line, all right? But that thing took us all over the world for quite a few years. And uh, about five years ago, the Plymouth Voyager just gave up the ghost, it was well over 200,000 miles, and I was in a parking lot somewhere, put the key in, turned the crank, and it said, not going to happen, 
right? Call my wife. My wife comes, picks me up. We have a dead car. And now we only have one car and, and you know, all of our kids. And I don't really know what we're going to do at this point. So car's dead. Um, next day, my wife takes me to work. Literally, this is the next day. A woman from this church calls up my wife, Jane. No, we're not there yet. Step back. The next day, a traveling, uh, a door-to-door salesman, this is not a joke, a door-to-door salesman walks up to our front door, knocks on the door. Jane opens the door. The guy is selling, I have no idea and I can't remember what it was. Jane, because of who Jane is, begins a conversation. Finds out, oh, you're a bivocational church planter? She starts to pray for me. says, well, my real need is I, I, need, I need a van. That's what I really need. I need a van because all my stuff won't fit in this car. We're doing, you know, set up the church every Sunday, and I just need a van. So Jane, the faithful one, says, we have a van, but it's dead. But if you can get it to go, you can have it. That's what she says, all right? So I get the phone call. Randy, meet some person you have never met in the parking lot where the van is dead. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Come up. Very next day, I come up. I meet this guy. I've never met him before in my life. We look at the van. He's, he's just kind of going like, oh. <laughs> you know? he goes, um, I said, I heard you're a church planner. You need a van. I said, I'm really sorry. You know, it's dead. I've, I've, I've brought in auto mechanics. All auto doctors concur. It's dead. It's not coming back, you know. So the guy says, let's pray. Not a joke. We lay our hands on the Plymouth Voyager. <laughs> Jesus, restore the van, you know. I am definitely oh me of little faith at this point, right? He, I give him the keys. He walks in there, vroom, vroom. Unbelievable. Turns the car on. I'm shocked. He's shocked. We hug. I hand him the title, and he, off he goes, you know? Like, okay, God, bless. You bless. Way to go. Awesome, you know? Praise God, right? Except for one problem. Last time we saw our heroes, they don't have a car, right? So Jane picks me up, you know, takes me to work. The next day, the phone rings. Friend in the church is talking to my wife, Jane. Why is it always Jane, you know? Why is it never me? I don't know that. It's always Jane. <laughs> Says, hey, I've been thinking. I have this uh, red Dodge Caravan, and all my kids are out of the house, and I don't need it anymore. We bought it used a long time ago, but it's still really good do you know anyone in the church who needs a van? <laughs> and Jane, of course, you know, bursts into tears and dances around, calls me like, we got a van, you know. <laughs> I'm not done. So we get the van, and through the next uh, five years, that Dodge Caravan takes my sons through high school, right? Um, it's real cool when you just get your license in Fishers to drive a bright red Dodge mommy van. I mean, minivan, <laughs> right? Real cool. So Benja and Johnny drove that minivan. Now Johnny had a little, put a little spit and polish on it. You may remember it was called the man van for a while. There were plants in there. There was stereo in there. There were couches in there. He wanted to put um, uh, like uh, curtains up at some point. I said, Johnny, if you ever want a date with a girl who has a dad, do not put curtains on the van, you know. No joke, he got stopped by the police in that van for doing something. He opens the door, the, the policeman looks in, he says, dude, this is cool, just don't do it again. No joke. Man. There's blessing on this van, all right? So, okay. 
so Benja goes through the van, and we'd given it to Benja. And so Benja, in turn, someone from this church calls, anybody in your house need a car? Yes. They give a car to Benja free. He goes off to college with it. Johnny gets the man van, the red van, and runs it into the dirt, all right? So uh, Johnny graduates, and the, the man van at this point is acting a lot like the Plymouth Voyager, right? You just go out there, everything's bad. I mean, the windshield's broken. I could go on. I won't. Um, it's dead. And so um, someone gives my daughter Sarah a car. And so Sarah takes her four-door silver Nissan, much cooler than the red mommy van, right? Gives it to Johnny. Johnny drives off to IU in his new Nissan. We're stuck with the red van that doesn't work in our, in our driveway for like 10 years or three months, whichever, you know. I'm going through our neighborhood, uh, what do you call it? Neighborhood, um, this is getting way too long. Can I keep going? Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going through it. We got this neighborhood, like, Facebooky type thing, just the people in our neighborhood, so you can say what's going on and get to know each other. And, you know, you know a plumber, I need this, I need that. And I get this email, and it pops up, and it says, I'm looking for a minivan that doesn't run. And it says, I will pay for it. All right? So it took me like four seconds to call this woman. <laughs> I have a minivan that doesn't run, you know? So this woman, what they wanted it for was they promised when their daughter turned 16, they would give her a minivan. That's what they said. So what they wanted to do is buy a minivan that didn't work, paint it in psychedelic color, colors, stick it in the front yard, give her the key, and then laugh when it doesn't start, all right? <laughs> How cruel is that, right? And I am a part of this, all right? So <clears throat> now remember, the van belongs to Benja because it was given to him by us, because it was given to us, but you got the whole thing, right? So all that Benja said to Johnny when he gave the van to Johnny was, I want it back when it dies so that I can blow it up or, you know, smash it with a hammer or something else fun like that. Because that's what 19-year-old boys do, right? Okay? So the, the van's dead. Johnny's got his new car at IU. And now we got this car that belongs to Benja. Benja's about to graduate from college at this point. And I say, Benj, what are you going to do with that van? Then we get the phone call. I make the call. A woman comes over, and she pays us $1,000 for a van that we got for free, Right? that replaced the van that died, was resurrected by an angel or whoever, right? Okay. She gives us $1,000. Benja takes that $1,000, turns around, and goes to, I won't name the place of the jeweler, because Benja found something more fun than beating up a car. Her name is Tori. And Benja, two months later, proposes to Tori and puts a ring on her finger, paid for, by the blessing of a van that didn't work. That's good, right? Now, if you've lost the point somewhere in that story, this is the point. Strategic giving, right? It started with someone who said, I don't need this anymore. I wonder if someone else needs it. Could she have gotten the $1,000 or the $5,000 for it? Absolutely. But think of the blessing that would have been forfeited had she just simply taken the money, except for that poor 16-year-old girl, you know? Everyone else, incredibly blessed. <laughs> that really blows it up right there. 
I bet they gave her a car. I bet they did. Let's just pretend they gave her a car. Okay, what is my point in all of that? Strategic giving. There's spontaneous giving, right? And then there's strategic giving. The kind of giving that God blesses way beyond, way beyond what we're able to imagine. I don't know how many cars we've had in our 30 years of marriage, but we've been given 10. We've been given 10 cars, you know. It's like, I don't, so I, I will never get rid of a car because I feel like I'm going to miss out on what God wants to do if I get rid of a car, right? Someone's going to give one. All right. What's the last type of giver? Sacrificial. We've got spontaneous, strategic, and the sacrificial giver. These are the ones who realize, and this is all of us. I think this is God's call for all of us. These are the ones who realize everything I have comes from God. Everything I have belongs to God. And I will give any time God says give, even if it hurts. That's a sacrificial giver. In the Old Testament, um, David, the King, King David, was coming to a sacrifice. And a man who honored David said, I will give you the bulls for the sacrifice. And David, this is uh, David's response. He says, I will not take what is yours and give it to the Lord. I will not present burnt offerings that have cost me nothing. David realized that if I'm going to give to the Lord, I want to feel it. I want the privilege of giving. You read in Mark 12, you can read the story about Jesus sitting during the offering at church. I mean, that's what it says. Jesus sat by the place where the offering was given in the temple, and he watched all these rich people come by and drop in these huge amounts of money. And then it's the poor widow. And the widow comes in, and she drops in two copper coins, the Bible says. Equaling a penny. That's what it says. Equaling a penny. And Jesus, you know, brings his disciples and he says, listen to this. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. It's sacrificial giving. It's the type of giving that God the Father initiated when we read in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It's the type of giving that Jesus showed when he walked to the cross, the one person not worthy of death or guilty of sin, and said, "For these loved ones, though it cost me my life, I'll give everything." And it is the, it is the blessing of the sacrificial giving of Jesus. That is our entrance into heaven, right? I mean, the blessing of salvation came through sacrificial giving. And I just believe that that's the heart of God for us as a people, that we would give spontaneously, that we would give strategically, and that we would be those people who look to God with faith, not with pride, say, God, I want to give sacrificially. Even if, even if it hurts, I want to give sacrificially. Um, Jeff, I want to ask you to come forward and lead our time in ministry. And I just want to pray this prayer um, over you. So if you just uh, close your eyes, put out your hands, I want to pray this prayer on our behalf. And then Jeff will lead us in the time of ministry. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would empower us today with your grace and so motivate us with your love that we would give spontaneously when you show us that we would give strategically as you give us eyes to see and that we would give sacrificially just like Jesus. 
for the sake of the world and for the glory of Jesus, your son. Amen.